Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Erin Carvelli, a.k.a. Erin the Expert. She's a loan officer, or perhaps more specifically, a loan originator with a significant mortgage corporation. I met Erin a few years back when we dealt with the financing on our home. She's a leader and a true professional. She spent her career within the banking and mortgage industry, including entrepreneurship, and she certainly has an interesting journey to share. Not only is her entire story interesting, but I think our podcast listeners will be intrigued to hear her background story prior to entering her career. As well, her story, in my opinion, may also reflect a non-traditional path to a non-traditional career. Erin, thank you for agreeing to be our guest. Welcome to the podcast and for discussing your career story with us today. Thanks for having me, Sean. Great. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss career paths, choices, and opportunities that our guests have had, taken, or not. Today, we'll discuss your career and how it started, progressed, and how and why your career developed with knowledge, experience, interest, networking, or possibly by personal and professional circumstances. In other words, what happened between the bullet points? So are you ready to get this party started? I am. I am. And I, I have to tell you, I do love the uh, the title of your podcast. I think it's uh, very intriguing and, and should be very telling. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I want to be intriguing. And yes, I, a lot of people have, have noticed that in a way and said, well, yeah, actually, there is more to the story here. And, and, you know, I think that's important to hear. We've previously been acquainted with each other. And my wife and I are both very pleased with the work and your professionalism. You were an early entry on my list of hopeful interviews for this podcast for nice. reasons <laughs> I stated. And as preparation for the interview, you were kind enough to complete the questionnaire where I learned even more interesting information about your backstory. And I look forward to discussing those details as I believe they're integral to your story as well as perhaps relatable to many people considering their career path and journey. So let's get started here by, you know, can you describe your current position and what it is you do as a loan officer or loan originator? Sure. Well, uh, I've been with Green Lane Mortgage for quite some time now, and um, it, it's, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm in my position that I've always kind of wanted to be in. Um, I love dealing with clients. Um, I love nurturing them, especially um, purchase clients, uh, kind of helping them find their way um, through a pretty stressful situation. And, uh, you know, buying a home is one of the biggest transactions that most people will ever be involved in. And it's, uh, it's stressful. I actually just went through it uh, myself and I was stressed out and this is what I do. <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, at this point, um, I am, you know, really just concentrating on my the sales end of things. Um, I built a team uh, to support me and my efforts, and so I've really been able to concentrate on the sales end, which is um, kind of, you know, picking up clients and just leading them through the process, getting them approved, and getting them to the closing table. So you find the clients, you help them out, you you usher them through the process. And you, you certainly have a, a team around you that, that works the, the whole process, right? I do, yeah. I've, I've got up to six people now that are working directly with me, you know, helping me to guide everybody through. Um, everybody kind of has a different uh, function and um, all in support of my sales efforts. Now, part of the reason um, that came up here, not only from you know what you display personally and your, your personality and things like that too, you know, banking, finance, you know, it's not something that I think everybody really knows about or thinks about. And obviously, you know, when you buy a house and, and you have to get a mortgage and then you deal with this and there's a lot of pieces of that in between that go, oh, I never knew this person existed or that job existed or what this process is. You certainly uh, made that process much easier, but uh, there's a lot of jobs and careers within there that I, I think what I'm saying in a way is that when most young people at least think about banking or financing, they either think about that bank teller that you meet at the bank or <laughs> you know a person who's investing in stocks and bonds and things like that. And there's a whole lot in between in this entire industry. Yeah, I'll agree with that. You know, it's funny, back when I kind of first got into this, I, I always had the uh, picture in my head of the stuffy banker and, you know, the three-piece suit with his briefcase and his shiny shoes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you know, so much more than that. You're absolutely right. And that's why I also referred to this as kind of like a non-traditional career and non-traditional background, perhaps, because being, I guess, a female within the banking and finance mortgage industry, I don't think that's necessarily a common thing or something that females generally tend to think about to say, oh, that's the career that I want to go for. Yeah, I think you're right in that. I think that what kind of a portion of my success is related to the fact that I really think that, you know, women have um, a different view on um, banking and, and the mortgage process to be specific. You know, we, we have, we're a little more, we have more feelings. <laughs> well, you display them better. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, that that translates over well to my clients because I, I truly care about them and, and what they're going through. And, you know, I, I think that's what makes me work, you know, even harder for them. Uh, so I think that that's kind of a, a nice little edge to have um, in, a, in a somewhat male-dominated industry. I would certainly agree with that assessment. So that's that's very good. We're on the, the, the same page there. So let's let's take a journey now. Let's Let's go way back to your early story. And you grew up in Ithaca, New York, and you were surrounded, um, I'm going to say, by females, uh, which may be uh, a lot of what influenced you uh, early on growing up. Would that be true? Yes, absolutely. So I see you have uh, two sisters and, of course, mom and grandma. Yep. Now, I noticed you also said that they've had, you know, significant careers of themselves. So uh, just just give me an early snapshot of, of what you saw growing up, the females around you, the careers they had, maybe their work ethic and and what kind of rubbed off on you by witnessing some of that. Sure. Well, my my grandmother is really um, one of the people that sticks out in my mind. And um, she's always someone that I've, I've greatly admired. Um, she raised my mother on her own 
from my uh, very early age. Uh, my mother, I think, was about two and a half. My grandfather, uh, her, her, her father, excuse me, went off to war and uh, did not come back to the family is the best mm. way to put it. So yeah. um, she she was working and raising my mom on her own. She had a, a struggling growing up period herself. Um, she lost her mother and was raised by her aunt at a very early age. I believe that, uh, I think grandma was 14 when her mother died in a car accident. So she's just always been a very strong person, career and otherwise. And I'll never forget when I was a little girl, she took me on a train. I, I was probably maybe six and she took me to um, Connecticut, I believe, where she worked as a bookkeeper for a very wealthy family. Um, and I think that they were from Venezuela, if I'm remembering correctly. And she had her own little office and she had a desk and all these, you know, it was just a very formal professional display for me as such a mm-hmm. young person. And I was so proud and, and impressed by my grandmother for having this job and, and the way that the family adored her. Yeah. Um, so yeah. much so that every time they went back to their, their home country, they would bring me gifts um, <laughs> and dolls and purses and things like that. And I, I still actually have some of them saved away at my parents' house. But it was just that that impression I had of grandma so early on that she was this career woman and she dress up to go to work. And it was just such a cool idea for me as a little girl. Yeah. And uh, she went on to work at uh, Time Life magazine, had a, a great job there. And then as my mother grew up, um, I believe my mother had a position there too. Um, my mother went on from there to earn her MBA uh, from Cornell University. And my mom opened up her own medical billing practice. So she had quite a, a business where she had numerous employees and she was a a real strong role model in, in that aspect, you know, running a business and a household. So it was really quite quite the picture of uh, professionalism from the women in my family growing up. Sure. I, I definitely see that. And I would agree, you know, moms and grandmas are influential no matter what. Uh, but to, to see the professionalism, you mentioned, you know, those professional types of jobs and, and having responsibilities and even entrepreneurship and that uh, that really the the sky's the limit. Everything's possible, and you you know some people don't think twice about it if they see that throughout their lives, and that's just a natural influence. And and you realize how strong that is later on when you reflect upon it. Other people who don't have that, you know, don't know what they're missing. So that's that's significant. Good for you, <laughs> and it probably <laughs> probably explains a lot about uh, a lot of your you know work ethic and and professionalism and things like that as well. So yeah, now I also noticed that uh, because of maybe some of those influences or whatever, or maybe it's you were you were driven, you became an entrepreneur pretty early on in your life as as a younger person. Um, how did you get involved in that? <laughs> so, you know, I think that uh, going back to my mom's business, I, I omitted the fact that she actually started working um, on her the, the company that she created. It she, she started working on it from the basement of our first home. And um, I remember going down there and there was papers everywhere. It was it was uh, it was quite a, a factory going on down there, I guess is the way, the way I saw it. And I thought, you know, I, I started off by going and playing and, you know, kind of mimicking my mom and, and working and doing things. And um, and then I, I also have a little bit of an artsy creative side. So I, I started making these bookmarks. I don't know why. I like to read, I guess. That's probably got something to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. I was a big reader when I was little. But uh, I would make these bookmarks and I, I decided one day I was going to go sell them. 
So I took myself out of my house and I walked next door to my neighbor who was, you know, very close to us. And <laughs> I, I asked her if she'd like to buy a bookmark. <laughs> and so I started selling my little artsy bookmarks that were probably ridiculous, but, um, you know, selling <laughs> these bookmarks, I think they were half, you know, drawn and half origami and um, sold them to my neighbors. And then I would rope my friends into this. I would have them come over after school and we would make bookmarks and we would you know, go door to door selling these bookmarks. And, you know, it wasn't for the money. It was just from the example that my mom had set, um, you know, working hard pays off. And, and I'll tell you, I don't I didn't even save the money. It was during the time that the Statue of Liberty was being uh, repaired. Okay. And my friend Karen and I took our, our earnings and her mom helped us send in the money to the Statue of Liberty Foundation. So we, we aided in the repair of the Statue of Liberty. It's just Very one nice. of those quirky yeah. little things. So. <laughs> wow. Hey, it, yeah. Very nice of you and good cause and patriotic. Yeah. It was, that's right, great. Right. <laughs> Most people are like, no, I want to buy a bike and, and right, you know, I'm going to do right. that. But no, I'm going to send it to the Statue of Liberty. That's that's a, That's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at an early age, but uh, that that evolved into a paper route and some babysitting. Um, I I got my work permit because I was a young young person. I don't think I think you had to be sixteen in order to actually work, unless you had a note from your school nurse. So I, I got that note, and I was able to uh, be a day camp counselor uh, in the local camps and things like that. So I was always always working and, and earning and, uh, you know, being the little entrepreneur. So one thing that just came to my mind is, is uh, the realization that uh, when the Statue of Liberty was cleaned up, redone, uh, and looking beautiful, actually at the unveiling of that, it was on July 4th, mm -hmm. um, I want to say 1986. Sounds but about right. My sister happened to be a nurse in the Navy at the time, actually she was in the reserves at the moment before she went back to active duty, but she was actually stationed on the USS JFK, which is an aircraft carrier, and for that unveiling ceremony on July 4th, it was parked directly in front of the Statue of Liberty. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the president at the time, Ronald Reagan, flew on board. Uh, we were there for the ceremony, and it was just a, a very, very special ceremony to see the Statue of Liberty in front of us. Oh, wow. Uh, and and the, take the tour of the aircraft carrier, and, and my sister had an all-access pass as well. Amazing, uh, yes. She was actually wow. uh, the <laughs> president's private duty nurse should anything happen to him while he was on board. So um, ah, it, was, it was an amazing experience. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your donations uh, well, that made yes. my experience <laughs> so special. So had I known yes. it was you, I, I would have, you know... <laughs> talked about this much earlier you know so i think the bigger thanks goes to your sister for her service but we'll we'll pass over that <laughs> absolutely absolutely i thanked her many times she was very influential uh, for me going into the navy reserves as well so i mean it's it's, right. it's, it's a that's gift right. that keeps on giving and you know we, we all do our part so that's all good stuff okay flashback to you because uh, let's keep it all about you on this one sure, sure. the uh you grew up i we mentioned earlier in ithaca so you know into your high school experience i'm always curious about this you know right now mm -hmm. i'm still an administrator with a high school district so you know while you're in your high school years you know, what's going through your head as far as what's going to happen in your future whether it be 5 10 15 20 years from now and any any thoughts whatsoever on what a career, a path, your your life would be like at that point? 
Well, interestingly enough, um, probably in my, my beginning high school years, uh, and this even just kind of pushes back towards middle school even, I had it in my mind that I was going to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I took steps actually to begin to pursue it. Um, I had joined, I want to say it was maybe my sophomore year in high school, I joined the local Civil Air Patrol. And um, I, I was with them probably for about a year. And, and it was it was all military, you know, basic military training. And um, we got to fly, we did learn to fly Cessnas. Um, and uh, I thought that's what I would do until I went down to the Jersey Shore one year to my grandmother's summer home there. And I went on one of the rides at Seaside Heights there. And I had to go fast and I had to go upside down. And I realized I was never going to make it in the Air Force after that date. <laughs> hmm, something so, told you right there, yeah. Yep, yep. And and I came off, I think I was green. Um, I, and my mom and I had the discussion that I didn't think that the um, the astronaut route was going to work out. So <laughs> Perhaps I, ground uh, control. You know, there's a lot yeah, of opportunities. Yeah. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I think I just ran away from it. And I, I didn't look back for a long time, or look ahead, I should say, for a long time. Right. Um, I kind of focused on... Um, high school as, as, you know, uh, tough years, obviously, for, for many um, young people. Um, mm-hmm. Not the easiest, but I, I really put all of my concentration into, um, I was on the cross country and also on the track team. And I really um, focused on that probably a little more than my studies, um, which wound up being a little problematic for me later on, <laughs> um, between probably boys and running. So, you know, between the two. Yep. Uh, so I, I struggled a bit um, because I just didn't put my all into uh, my schoolwork, which um, is surprising because I, I now as, as um, I, I guess even as the, the young person selling bookmarks, I always thought I was you know putting all efforts into everything I did. Um, so if I look back on high school, I feel like my, my years spent there might they, they somewhat disappoint me, I, I guess. So. <laughs> Well, it, but, uh, <laughs> it all yeah. worked out, I guess. It's history. It is what it is. We all live, you know, our lives and, and influences can come in all shapes and sizes. Circumstances are what they are. So, you know, how we go forward is, is most important now. And that that's pretty interesting, too. So you get to the end of, of high school and everyone has the next big choice. You know, what do I do after I graduate? Where do I go? What do I do? What's my interest? And, and what's... And I would say the traditional path is, okay, I'm going to go to college these days or at least start mm-hmm. it and, and see where I go from here. Do I have an interest? Do I have an actual path? You know, many other people have, have taken other choices. So as we mentioned already, some people go into the military. Uh, great choice is that. And, you know, other people go out to work. Other good opportunities there. Some people take a gap year or whatever the case is. So you're, you're coming up to the end of high school, graduating. And, and again, what's going through your mind? What do you do? What's your next choice? Feeling lost is where I was at at that point. And I guess if you want to call it a gap year, I, I guess that's what we'll call it. <laughs> but that's that's where things really stalled for me. I, I went out to um, Colorado. I bummed around for a while. I uh, did some skiing and uh, eventually made it back to the East Coast and um, moved into New Jersey, um, which, which I'd always gone down from Ithaca to New Jersey every year. 
year um, in the summers. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't want to go back to Ithaca. It's a small town and I I didn't want to seem like I had failed and not gone to college. So I just needed a change of scenery and went down to um, my grandma's house in Lavalette and uh, stayed there. I sat down with the newspaper when I got there and I said, what kind of job can I have that feels professional? Um, I don't care how much it pays me. I've got, you know, a roof over my head. What, what can I do that's not, you know, working in a restaurant or, um, and not that there aren't professional, you know, career paths in in restaurants and things like that, but I didn't want to work at a bar or or that, that type of thing. I wanted to be able to put an outfit on and go to work and feel like I was making a difference. And so um, I thought, let's see, maybe I can get into a hospital. Maybe I can, um, you know, have a a clerical role there and, and, you know, try to figure out how to work my way up. Um, And I had a, a tough time kind of getting in the door there without any sort of experience. So I went, I saw, saw Commerce University, I'm sorry, Commerce um, Bank was just opening a, a large branch. It was one of their their flagship branches um, in Tom's River. So I decided, let me, let me go there. They had a career day. So I put a suit on. I made sure that, you know, I looked great from head to toe. And I, I went in and I applied. Um, and I was given the opportunity um, to apply for a teller position. And after my interview, the woman walked out and she said, hang on a second. And she brought someone back in and she said, I, I don't think you're going to work out for the teller position. <laughs> I thought, oh, all right. You know, yeah. <laughs> this isn't working yeah. either. Uh, but she said, yeah. But she <laughs> said, you know, listen, I, I, you know, I think with your personality um, and I know you don't have any experience, we'll, we'll train you. We have Commerce University, Commerce U. I, I think that you would be successful as a customer service representative. You know, we'll, we'll put you at a desk in the lobby. You'll greet people when they come in. You'll help people open new accounts. Um, if there's something that you can't help with, you'll direct them to the right you know, place. And I, I think this would be a good spot for you. So I, I got the job and, and it was, um, it was interesting because it was putting, you know, a professional outfit and professional face on every day. And it was just, it was exactly what I was looking for. And they were wonderful. Um, they had, as I mentioned, this university that they offered all sorts of training and, um, you know, you could kind of pick and choose what you wanted to do. If you were interested in learning about um, being a loan officer, or taking mortgage applications, you mm-hmm. could take a course there. So that's what I did. And that's how I kind of got set on, uh, you know, the path forward to where I am now. Again, I'm reflecting, seeing similarities kind of in things that I knew. My mother was in banking. Uh, she started as a teller and a customer service agent. Actually, she moved to the floor uh, mm-hmm. and eventually worked for the president of that branch of the bank. I talked to her just not too long ago, actually, in similar fashion. And, you know, she related to me that she really liked the aspect of meeting people, talking to people, seeing people every single day, discussing things with them. It wasn't necessarily, you know, the, the, the money and the accounting and, and all that, which was fine, but it was the the contact with the customers and the relationships yep. that, that she loved the most. And, and I'm hearing similar things from, from you as well. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's also talk about that, that Commerce U piece as well, that I think many companies do a lot of things to develop their own talent within and mm-hmm. and look for you know future positions and the longevity of the company and and the person to keep them educated and and moving on with their system you know, there's a lot of things that you know you just don't walk in out of high school or out of even out of college or something and just hey i'm a loan officer now 
Right, you know, right. It's, it's usually <laughs> with some other experience and some education. So, you know, how important are, are those things for companies, big or small, to offer uh, to develop career paths? And... Oh, so important. It's, it's something that um, my husband, Tom, and I look at every day. T Tom is my business partner as well, um, mm -hmm. and he and I manage our team. And we are always looking at different ways to kind of arrange our team into different seats and, you know, who does what and who can kind of, you know, learn A or B. And um, we we look for all kinds of opportunities to train the people ourselves, but, you know, what sort of uh, educational resources are out there. Our company isn't large enough to have something as special as Commerce U. <laughs> mm -hmm. So these are kind of little programs that we either have to develop on our own. Something else we've recently um, engaged in is business coaching for our team. Um, it's something that I've, I've done over the last year, and we thought it would be beneficial to bring the team in um, so that we can all continue to grow together, you know, continue to, to just to learn and, and become better. I know you talked about your husband uh, in some of the pre-interview materials. You just mentioned him again. And officially, I'm going to bug you on air right now that I, I think your husband is another person that would be very interesting to interview if he would be willing. So, um, I, I can tell you he would he would love it. Yep. He's a big podcast <laughs> guy himself. So uh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Friends, I think he'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And as a plug for that future podcast, uh, I'll just I'll just <laughs> say the information that's already coming across. Obviously, I... You know, I, I've had some uh, information about him previously, some some contact of uh, just very minor through the business. But yeah. uh, knowing now that he was a, a Stevens graduate and uh, an electrical engineer, correct? Yes, yes. And, and kind of had a career in that until you uh, you wrote them into the family business here. So. Yeah, basically, he he'd even gone on from Stevens to get his MBA, which is not normal for an EE. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think he was looking to kind of change his career path, um, and he wasn't able to. You know, he was kind of hitting up against that that glass ceiling and uh, wasn't able to um, really do anything different. And he's he's got that entrepreneurial. I can never say that entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit like I do, yeah. and uh, so joining forces and and taking this on together has been, um, I'm forever grateful for his ability to do it. His story um, does reflect a little bit more of a kind of a career shift for change. Yes. And, and that would be interesting in itself. So your story is intriguing, obviously, from, you know, how do you how do you get into this? And how do you do that? Because it's not really generally like, yeah, this is what I want to go for out of the gate, whether it be high right. school or college or whatever, <laughs> but you got into it and you're doing very well and you developed quite, quite a path. So, you know, from that point on, you have made a, a very good career so far uh, and you got a long way to go. I'm going to tell you uh, yep. just because you're a young person and, and you have a lot of things on your plate, but, but a ton of potential here and, and doing great things. So not that you have to do different things, just keep doing it well, but you know, at this point, looking back at your career, you know, you're a customer service representative, you go to Commerce U, you're, you're introduced to the idea of loans and mortgages at that point, and you're, you have the opportunity now perhaps to go to different companies and different positions. Yes. Um, so I decided that um, after I kind of I guess I moved. I think that that's, that's what sparked it. I mm -hmm. moved from grandma's house and I got my own apartment and I was further north and didn't 
want to continue to go down to Tom's River area. So I started to look to see what other positions might be available to me um, because I was still in that customer service role. They hadn't promoted me on up to um, anything in the uh, mortgage or loan department. And so I looked to see with other finance companies and banks if there was anything else that might work for me. So I I found a, a company that did personal loans, home equity loans. Um, They did financing for companies like if you wanted to get solar and you needed financing for the equipment so or or jewelry stores if you needed to finance, you know, the engagement rings or whatever. So I got involved with them, um, which really introduced me to what goes into applying for a loan, you know, running credit reports, um, verifying does the income that the person makes, you know, cover the expenses. Um, And so that was just kind of a, got my my beak wet um, as far as that goes. And I was with them for a number of years and then that company closed and I had to kind of figure something else out. I struggled a bit because I still didn't really have the background that I needed to get into the mortgage side. But I, I kind of fudged my way into a job interview mm-hmm. and probably presented better uh, information than I really knew. Um, and I got the job, so I muddled through it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just became a sponge. I, I had these gigantic books, the guidelines. Now you find them online and you just do a search like in Google and you find any, you know, anything you need to know. Back then, there were these huge, huge books that had all the mortgage guidelines. So I, I borrowed them from someone and, and spent weeks just kind of pouring over it and acclimating myself um, and just kind of learning as I went. Uh, so I became a mortgage processor. Um, which is basically someone who takes in all the paperwork, uh, maybe spits out application disclosures um, and kind of organizes the file uh, and gets it ready for um, the, you know, to pass on to underwriting to the, the, the parties that review and approve the loans. So that's that was kind of my next step. Um, and I did that for a number of years and I kind of became like a processing extraordinaire. Um, I was working for a company, National City Mortgage. And I remember one day I got this big basket. It was delivered to my desk and it was, you know, all this fun stuff in it. And it turns out that I had closed or processed the most number of loans in the company ever (laughs) that (laughs) previous quarter. And uh, so I said, all right, well, you know, what's next? What else can I do? I've conquered this. Um, And so the next kind of step in in one direction in the operational side was to go on to underwriting uh and underwriting is um you know like i mentioned the the party the 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 part of the transaction where the loan gets reviewed all of the documentation is validated income is recalculated and appraisals are reviewed all that stuff so i would approve loans um and i didn't love it it was great because it gave me the background on you know the 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 back scene i guess of how everything works Mm -hmm. um and it's it's great to know but it was a little stressful because you're putting your your signature on a file and what if you mess up and uh, you know i just i didn't love it the interaction with people was gone um i wasn't talking to clients directly i was just talking to the processors and maybe the closers which just wasn't what i enjoyed so mm-hmm. i kind of you know, i spoke to my manager i said I, I need to pivot here what else can i do and the answer was well you can go back to processing because uh, I was dealing with clients doing right. that, right. or you can begin to, you know, go the sales route. And I said, well, how do I do that? You know, that, that, that sounds great. I would love to deal with clients only. But, and that sounds mm-hmm. wonderful in theory, but it's difficult to develop a book of business. And how do you find these borrowers and these clients? So I stayed with processing for a while. But on the side, I would, you know, because I was speaking to people and then, you know, people, friends would 
begin to refer me a little bit of business here and there. And I made some friends that were realtors who would send me a couple clients. And then the, the real way I broke into is I would stay at the office late at night. I would stay there till eight or eight or eight or so. Right. And the phone would ring and people were calling in and they wanted mortgages. <laughs> they didn't have any contact there. It's not like I was, you know, stealing someone's client or whatever, but they would just say, oh, I'm calling for information on a mortgage. Right. Like, well, I, can, I can help you. So that's how I kind of <laughs> began to develop my, my book of business and build my referral base. And eventually I was able to say, all right, I'm done with this processing stuff. And I was able to you know, support myself on my sales efforts. So that's, that's kind of the evolution. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I hear similar stories actually with real estate agents, you know, at the time manning the office and, and staffing the floor or whatever they you know, right, refer right. to as and, and the yep. phone rings and it's basically a cold call is, you know, do you have something for me? And, and suddenly you're connected. And that's, yep. that's great. You know, my wife actually is a nurse for a health insurance company. And yes. there's a couple of late nights that, that she has to work. And again, it's when she makes phone calls during the day, everybody is generally at work. It doesn't have the time to talk. But after hours, it's okay. Now we can discuss this. Right, so right. Some of those time frames and elements and are important nobody really wants to work at night or on the weekends and but yet some people's careers are made because of those those times that's right <laughs> <laughs> so it becomes, yeah. becomes important so now you get into the sales side and yep. uh, and that that starts taking off pretty well to the point where you even got into your own entrepreneurship uh, at that point correct or or just into it i did yeah i've been working for a company um that actually was struggling. We had a little bit of a poor leadership situation and I was kind of left to my own devices to deal with things. And so I went to a company that I'd had a relationship with for a long time and said, you know, we're, we're really struggling. Um, you know, would it be all right if I maybe brokered some loans over to you guys? And so we did that for a couple of months and then uh, the owner came to me and said, well, you know, why don't you just consider coming on board with us and opening a small branch um, of our, of our broker company. And I, thought, well, all right, that, that sounds cool. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't doing that many loans a month at the time. So I thought I could manage it on my own. And I hired an assistant and uh, I was originating the loans, but I was also processing them because I didn't have the funds to pay someone else to be a processor. So I was, you know, I had full contact with the client, which was great um for a long time but then when you become too busy you know you need to hire other people <laughs> yeah. so uh we did that for a while and then that company actually got absorbed by greenway mortgage where i am now they were a new correspondent lender meaning they approve uh their own loans and lend their own money they had a great platform but they didn't have any salespeople. so they had looked to hire um, some smaller uh, mortgage brokers and bring them on board and that just happened to be the company I was working with. That's how I came to Greenway. And uh, I'd say the rest is history. But <laughs> <laughs> And it is. It kind of brings us full circle to obviously where you are now and, and what you're doing. Uh, there are definitely a few points that I want to kind of just go over real quick and, sure. and just kind of dig a little bit deeper into it. Just uh, a couple of subjects. So the first one is that you, you noted that loan officers are required to complete federal coursework and pass an yes. exam so this again this is not necessarily a career or an industry or, or a job that requires you to you know have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or you know a certain thing but it does have 
you know, some requirements in here for the professional license or, or the job position or whatever it is such that. So just describe that just a, a little bit that's required. Sure. Well, back in the mortgage heyday, uh, you paid $30 and you got your license. So everybody, their mother and their uncle and maybe their dog all had licenses. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really created a a lot of problems. I mean, you know, it it certainly contributed to some issues with, you know, the mortgage meltdown and and all of that fun stuff. Um, And the industry decided to clean itself up, which was a blessing for all of us that, you know, took it seriously. And it was our, you know, primary source of income. They created a uh, national mortgage licensing uh, platform. So everybody had to get there to register. They had to get a a, a unique identifier. And then they have to take the federal portion of the licensing, uh, which, you know, you can either do it online or in a class or whatever. And then each state that you decide to get licensed in, um, there is a state requirement. So there's different components um, of each of the, um, the licensing. So you take the course, you take a test. So there's a federal test and then there's a, a test for each of the states that you choose. So it, the, the great thing about it is it, it kind of weeded out some of the people that were doing it part time or, you know, just doing it from a referral basis, made it a little bit more of a professional career. And the other caveat to that is that it's not one and done as far as the education goes. Every year there's continuing education that's required. So there's, again, a federal component of that. And then for each state that you're in, you need to you know, re-up your license. And it's every year. I think we're the only financial services that, I, that I'm aware of. Like realtors, I think it's every two years or something like that. So right. we're, we're every year. They're not making it easy for us, <laughs> which which I think is good. I mean, you know, we're, we're advising people. We're, we're you know, pouring over people's financial information. I, I think it's it's important for us to have this education um, on a recurring basis and, you know, as a reminder every year. And, and there's new laws and guidelines and everything that come out uh, very frequently. So to have the end of the year refresher uh, for the licensing renewal is, is certainly helpful as well. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of careers that, that require continuing education credits and, you know, even a renewal on a license whether it be a state license or a federal license or whatever the case is. So I would definitely agree that I think in the mortgage and loan industry, it's, it's probably a very good thing and, and it yeah. keeps you professional. certainly keeps the clients a little more rest assured that, you know, the, the current information is getting out there and, and they're protected by having the education of that, of, of their loan officer. So that kind of leads me to the other point that I want to do. And throughout each one of our careers, we learn things from other people as well. Uh, both good and bad. I, I'd certainly say even within career and technical education, I said it's it's important to know what you don't want to do as well as what you do want to do. And sometimes experience mm. gives you that information uh, as well as the people that surround you. So I know in some of the materials you, you responded to, you had noted that you, you, there's both good and bad, actually. And, and one <laughs> person in particular, kind of there, there was an element of both I, I think even within that one person or, and, and I'm sure there's other people around me too. Um, so how, how much can you elaborate, you know, about the influences throughout your career and how they've affected you in those ways? So the, uh, the job where I was kind of mentioning my transition from processing to sales, uh, where I would stay late in the office and answer the phones. I, um, I worked for a company. It was definitely back when, uh, there was a lot less regulation, I think that people's opinion of loan officers back then was not as great. Um, people were making money faster than it was. It was 
people were making money and, and spending it faster. Um, you know, everybody had these sports cars and these big homes and they were young guys. I was kind of in awe of it, but also looked at them and thought, they're, they're not sending their money to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> they're not saving, you know, anything that's going on here. And I, I took a good lesson from that uh, piece of it. But also um, some of the practices that I saw going on were a little less than ideal or a little less than legal, I guess is the best way to put it, which was disappointing because some of the people that I worked for at this company um, were some of the best salespeople um, I've ever met. I mean, you know, truly knew their products, knew how to sell. Um, and, I, and I don't mean just like, you know, when you, oh, what's that movie I'm trying to think. Um, so there's a movie where they're, you know, they're, they're, um, they're calling from the basement on phones. I, I, they're selling stocks. I, it's just, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. So it's, it's not. <laughs> yep. So, you know, it, it, it had an element of that to it. But these guys actually worked very hard and, and they weren't, uh, for the most part, they, you know, they weren't sleazy people. I, I still actually work with some of them today. Um, and they're, they're just some of the greatest salespeople I've known. But what was going on behind the scenes, they were double selling some of the mortgages off of their warehouse line. And the owner of the company was keeping the proceeds and, and trying to make the payments on the other loans. So he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it was just this terrible situation. And I, I, I saw the writing on the wall and left the company very quickly. And I wanted nothing to do with them. Um, this, this person wound up going to jail uh, for a number of years and is now barred from any financial services at all. But one of the best uh, you know, role models as far as sales go. I mean, he would listen to people. He would take notes. He really just taught me how to be good at my job. So I, there was some good and some bad lesson there. Right. Uh, <laughs> I kept the good. <laughs> well, and and it certainly opened your eyes to the bad that that's out there. Let's you know, let's be yeah. honest. It it exists everywhere. Uh, yeah. Hopefully not you know around any of us, and and we certainly learn from that. Uh, but we recognize it when we spot it next, if we've ever seen it first. Right, so, right. It becomes very helpful to to know where you're at with you know the people that surround you. <laughs> absolutely, good, bad, and indifferent. It's all experience, and and certainly if you put it in your your bag, then then it helps you moving forward. So the the last part that I really want to touch on here is <clears throat> maybe a, a reflection back, but I'll put it in this context that if you were going to talk to some young people that you're going to explain to them kind of the industry in a way, but more so how, how do you recommend ways to pursue a career? Let's say they want to be a loan officer or a loan originator eventually someday. And, and again, we said you don't just walk in and get that job, but what would a, a, a good plan for a pathway into this type of banking world, this investment, loans, and, and other things. And, and again, note that there are many different jobs you can do in there. What would the recommendations be for them to follow? Well, that's that's a toughie um, because there are absolutely different paths you can take to, to get to being a loan officer. You know, there's there's the pure sales side where you can just learn how to sell widgets. And, you know, no matter what you're selling, uh, you become good at it. Um, and then you, you know, if you're not great with guidelines and, and how loans really work, but you're good with people and you know how to sell, um, you could just take a, a straight sales side. If you really want to learn, and I think this just goes to any, any career, any, any business, if you really want to know how to do your job well and to, to feel confident in what you're 
presenting to people and and how to get them through it, especially, you know, with a mortgage application, there's point A to close. Knowing everything about it from the processing, the underwriting, uh, the sales side, even the management side, I feel so comfortable and confident in what I do. And having gone through that process for me, mm-hmm. just I, I feel like I have such an edge. There aren't many loan officers out there who, who have that background. And I understand guidelines and I, I know how to like take a loan that maybe someone else can't do. And I know how to massage it and put it together properly. And this is what you got to do and, and get it done. And it's such a rewarding feeling to be able to do that. And I don't think that many people in my industry are, are able to do that unless they've kind of come up through the same way that I did. So that would be my suggestion because I just, I, it, it makes me more confident in what I do. That's my short answer. <laughs> that's good. I, I think that's a perfect answer and, and work your way up, get experience. I would totally agree with that. I, I think even in my career path, it was important to experience many things and get the information uh, to get, it only makes you better, more knowledgeable, well-rounded, uh, and able to kind of, you know, pull from experience and knowledge uh, of what you've, what you've done. So that's good. Now, I did lie a little bit. I said that was the last thing. It's it's not the last <laughs> thing. This is this coming up is, is the very last thing, really. I want to know where Aaron Carvelli goes from here. What's what's the rest or the next step of your career, your focus, your business, whatever the case is? Um, because I always say there's a lot more gas in this tank. So where do you, where does this, this car go from here? Yeah, you know, I, I struggle with that all the time. And even, even the pandemic may have changed that for me slightly. The fact that I, I have this great team around me now is very... It's almost liberating to an extent because I, as I've said, I, I used to do it all. Right? I would take the loans and I would process them. I would, you know, originate, process, do everything on them. And now that I've got uh, these people in place to help me, um, it's not as draining on me, which allows me to kind of step past a lot of some of the, the paperwork and everything else. And it, it lets me get back to what I enjoy the most, which is dealing with my clients, spending time with my referral partners, and really concentrating on growing my business. I don't know that I want to do much more beyond just being a loan originator, just concentrating on the sales side of things. I, I could go into management, you know, that would bring headaches. Um, I could go into uh, you know, a larger banking atmosphere, uh, and that would bring restrictions. Um, you know, that, that's more of a sure. Monday through Friday kind of gig. Um, I, I love that um, Tom and I both have kind of the, the freedom to take some time, go work in Florida. No one knows where I am, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, be in New Jersey, be, be wherever, um, and, and have the freedom to, you know, even if I'm working, at least sometimes it's under a palm tree. <laughs> and I, I love that. And I don't see that that would change. You know, we, I've talked about, is there something else I would want to do? And I just, I don't see much more beyond this. I mean, this, this career will change. I mean, it's been ever evolving, you know, from the loan officer duties and everything over the years because technology is changing everything so much. You know, we always say it's kind of funny, uh, you know, with Rocket Mortgage, do you really just want to push a button and get a mortgage or do you want to talk to somebody? It's not that easy. (laughs) And I don't think it ever will be. So I think, you know, people are always going to want that personal connection. And and that's what I enjoy the most. It's it's that special sauce and and, uh, connection that I have with my clients. And it's what I love. So I, I don't, 
I don't really see that changing too much. I have to say, I think you're influencing me right now. I think I'm going to go talk to my boss about working, you know, seaside at, uh, in, down in Key West, something like that. See if I can perform my job there. That would be a wonderful thing to do. I'm going to have that discussion right now. So uh, good, right good. after we hang up with this fall. That's good. Now, thank you. I, uh, so Aaron, the expert, thank you so much for your willingness to do this, your story, your, your journey of your career. It's, it's certainly been interesting. This, this story is very interesting. And I think a lot of people can find, you know, a lot of similarities in, in some of their life and maybe considering a pathway or a career change or even someone within the field of banking might be influenced by this to continue on in their career, try something different or, yeah. or follow that. So uh, Find what you love. <laughs> there you go. Very good. All right. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I know our stories will continue and our paths will definitely continue to cross. Absolutely. Sean, thank you so much for having me on. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.